In Titus 3, Paul is clear that before God saved us, we were foolish, given to the fleshly passions, and we hated each other. This is great news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because this is true, the scripture is very clear, very, very, very clear. Did I say very? Yes, very clear that those who walk in the way that Christ walked are in Christ. And if they do not, then they are not in Christ. So the purpose of this today is to answer one simple question. Why do so many pastors live in disharmony, hate, envy, gossip, and murderous ways against each other and people among them? Scripture names the reasons. Let's look at a few today. The first is unbelief. This means that the guy who walks around talking bad, gossiping, hating others, not loving the brethren, and feeling envy against others is an unbeliever. He may have, quote, professed Christ, and he may have even been sincere, but this profession is just like the one that the devil will proclaim. It's worthless. It's just words, nothing more. He may even have a great training and knowledge of Scripture, but because of his life and his lack of love, he is a worthless nothing of wicked proportions. Now, before you go call these statements in the like of their, quote, kind, let me show you the same thing in the Word of God. Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God, but they deny Him with their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Titus goes on to say, or Paul goes on to say in Titus 3, 1 through 11, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So if this is the truth, and John says in 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth, as well as in 2, 4 through 6 of John's God, of 1 John, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the way in which he walked. So if this is true, the, if the man of God hates his brother, he isn't a man of God. He's a man of the God of this world, who's the devil. Well, another thing comes to play in this type of attitude, and it's pride. I could stop with the first one, unbelief, because being a slave to pride is a mark of an unbeliever, not a true child in a common faith. But in all reality, many pastors hate their brothers, and it's seen in their pride. It's a sense of being better because of many things, including a bigger congregation, better social status, brighter fame, or bolder education. All of these things are, of course, not marks of the work of God, but things that even pagans and worldly people can do in many organizations. Another thing we need to understand is that Hatred toward the brethren is murder. The heart of a murderer is one who covets and hates with a malicious zeal, not the heart of a lover of good works prepared by God before the world began. So the foolish heart, hard, the foolish heart holds on to the traditions of men. It holds on to the cultures of the day and rips the fabric of the sheep gate, disallowing God's people from entering into the fold because these men are not of the fold of God. They are deceivers and self-condemned. Titus 3, 10 and 11 says, As for a person who stirs up division... After warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned. So the heart of the murderer bears fault witness, makes lies, accusations, false confessions, creates stories to suit the gossip and tears the man of God down in order to establish a tadboid false reality for himself. These men must be silenced, for they are destroying families and mocking the very name and the face of God. In the end, the way of these men is either death and judgment or repentance and eternal life. So the question is, who are they? 
They are those leaders in high places who continually put for the moral effort to be godly. They, they work, but they lack the power of God in their lives in many ways. They lack the power of God in their knowledge of the truth. They lack the power of God in their obedience to Scripture. They lack the power of God in their love for the brethren. They lack the power of God in seeking wisdom. They lack the power of God in proclaiming the gospel. They lack the power of God in living as Christ lived. They lack the power of God in all aspects of their lives because only they show the power of the flesh. They show the power of the flesh for the politics of their positions. These are the men who, for the most part, would be esteemed as the leaders of churches, the pastors of good reputation, and yet they disallow the power of the gospel in their lives and have created a, quote, new church and another gospel without any fear of what may befall them. They will not apologize, nor will they ever accept any open repentance from those who they say are guilty of falsehood. These men are seeds of iniquity and are awaiting a judgment that will not be quenched. They are known as the ones who would be angry over this very thought and find fault with God's word rather than standing for truth. They are pleasers of people, and they speak righteous things in public while condemning themselves to the lies of the devil behind the closed of doors. These men will say that others are divisive and up to no good while they refuse to allow a conversation for the sake of the faith of the elect of God. They do not care about the sheep, but just the monuments and steeples, the buildings, the programs, and the faceless numbers that race into their presence to bow down to their oratory or charisma. They do not lead the people of God to His glory because they continually resist the Spirit of God and preach man. They preach works rather than the works of God. They deny the power of God as stated above to the glory of their own kingdom, and it's nothing more than a fake castle at the base of a goldfish bowl. They refuse to reveal the love of Christ because it is not in them, and they close their hearts to the needy and to the broken, to the destitute, and others because, quote, those people do not look good on their arms. So where are they? Well, they're among us, brethren. They, not the ones on the TV, not the false teachers who are in the circles with all the rest that are obvious, but they're the ones who are reading this message or listening to this message, considering themselves the answer to the problem. They are preaching in pulpits across the world across this country, in the state of Georgia, in the pulpits of Evans and surrounding counties. They sit high above the masses and look pleased while the world is going to hell. They care more about their authority than the slavery to righteousness as they lead a people to that end, to the praise of the glorious grace. They may even be you, and they could very well be me. So what are we to do? We should repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just once, but always. Our faith is a gift of God by His marvelous grace, and it is always effective and ultimately evident in the lives of His people. Pastors need to unite around the gospel and stand for the only one true church, the body of Jesus who purchased her. We as the church, if we're not together in learning, ministry, reaching, worship, and glory, then we will not be together in eternity either. I'm not talking about small differences. I'm talking about loving each other at the cost of ourselves. We are not allowed to hate anyone in this world, period especially those who claim the name of Christ. So two things must happen. First, we must call out the sin of hatred and the actions of professing pastors who live against the gospel. And second, we must rejoice when they repent. But wait, it's not just for pastors, is it? It's for us all. We are all held to the same standard. We must care for all people, speak ill of no one, never speak evil and prove that we are indeed in the faith. Our glory is our humility and our power is the word of God. 
For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people, for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority, and let no one disregard you. See that we do well and prove God's glorious grace rest in our hearts. The reckoning is coming, brothers, and the light overcomes the darkness, either by causing it to disperse and those in it walk in the light, or by shining light on the dark hearts so that the church will see the truth of it all. I write these things for His glory, by the power of His grace. God bless.